Hello dear friends, Jeff here again. I'm going to talk to you today about a rather delicate subject, the problem of sin and temptation. Now I'm calling this message Standing Fast, which is a very old expression. It means to hold your ground and not yield to someone else. It's a, it's a warlike term, standing fast. Dear ones, we all know what it's like to be tempted, to disobey God, and to commit sin. Now, if we are honest with ourselves, we'll be very aware of our many faults and even our willful sins. For we are all frequently, if not constantly, faced with temptation to actually turn away from God, to stop loving Him, and to do the very opposite of what He wants. And in doing that, we are tempted to embrace all the pleasures and delights of the world instead. Now, this was the trial faced in the Garden of Eden by Adam and Eve. And uh, each of us has to face temptation and overcome it. In other words, stand fast. We, We need to find the spiritual strength to resist and repel all attacks on our bodies, our minds, our souls, and our spirits, because there are always consequences for every sin. And the worst consequence is that we grieve the Spirit of God in us. We offend a holy God. Sin means to miss the mark, to not be the people He ordained and planned and wants us to be. So every time we sin, we, we do damage to his kingdom, we do damage to our own souls, and we even do damage to people around us. In our message today, I want to show you how our Lord and Saviour Jesus Christ overcame the strongest tempting and faced up to his adversary. Our text today is from Matthew chapter 4, verses 1 through 11. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. The tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Jesus answered, It is written, Man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the Son of God, he said, throw yourself down. For it is written, he will command his angels concerning you, and they will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against the stone. Jesus answered him, it is also written, do not put the Lord your God to the test. Again the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. All this I will give to you, he said, if you will bow down and worship me. Jesus said to him, Away from me, Satan, for it is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil left him and angels came and attended him. May the dear Lord add his blessing to the reading of his holy word.
standing fast. Uh, the first part of this, from verses 1 to 4, I'm calling standing fast against the lust of the flesh, that is, the desire to indulge. Dear ones, we actually face, you and I, two different enemies. Our own flesh or sinful nature and our spiritual adversary, the devil. In Matthew's Gospel, Matthew portrays Jesus as our king. And we see him here facing a strong adversary and overcoming him. Jesus was standing fast. If you remember back in the Garden of Eden, not that you were there or I was, remember what it says in Genesis 3, 6. When Eve saw the fruit that was good to the taste, she wanted to try it. She wanted to, to in, indulge her flesh with this luscious, delicious, succulent piece of fruit that was outstanding for its taste. She could tell just by looking at it. Now, notice the difference, first of all, between her trial in the Garden of Eden and this trial I've just told you about in Matthew 11 in the Judean desert. She was in a garden of plenty. Everything she wanted, she had every tree she could possibly eat, out, eat off. She could have a fruit salad if she wanted to. And, and the Lord God told her, you are not to eat, and her husband, Adam, you are not to eat of this tree. And there she was looking at it lusting after its fruit. Compare that to where Jesus found himself. After 40 days of fasting, this was a supernatural fast because uh, after 40 days of no food and no drink, we'd all be dead. But Jesus was able to fast uh, and was very weak. Now, each of these encounters in this text we just read is initiated by Satan. He is the tempter. fact, it calls him the tempter came, or the devil. They're initiated by Satan. His first proposal to Jesus is that Jesus should eat whatever he needs by a supernatural device. In other words, turn the rocks in, into bread. Uh, of course, later on, Jesus uh, makes uh, wine, wine out of water and he turns a few fish and a few loaves of bread enough to feed thousands of people. There's no question that Jesus... Uh, could not have done that if he needed to. But Jesus stands firm, he stands fast, and he answers with Scripture. And then Satan gives up and moves on to his next proposal. What happens is Satan addressed Jesus is with uh, a question, if you are the Son of God. In other words, he, he questions Jesus' right to have a relationship with the Father, and, and D1's, he will question ours too. Are you really a Christian? Will God really answer your prayer? Does he really love you? Uh, do you need to love him? He doesn't love you. You can do whatever you want. He, he throws all these kinds of, of nonsense at us. The devil urges Jesus to make bread out of stones. He certainly could have. But the Lord responds by quoting from the book of Deuteronomy, uh, chapter 8, verse 3, where he says, um, Man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes out of the mouth of God. So Jesus says to the devil, basically, you know, I'd rather obey God than disobey him and sin. And the way you and I stand fast 
is that our love for God is the greatest factor in doing that. The techniques of fighting the enemy are, uh, are easily learnt, but the, the thing you cannot learn is to love God. You just have to do that. Um, the, the old patriarch Job was in a terrible predicament. He'd lost all his property, all his cattle, his herds, his donkeys, his camel, and all his children were killed by the devil. And he was in the dust. Uh, his body was riddled with pain from boils. And yet he could say to his friends, um, I have esteemed the words of his mouth more than my necessary food. Even Job could say, it's better to obey God than to eat. Now, you know, God knows that we need food to live. That's not the issue here. The issue is giving the temptation and eating in an appropriate way. Temptations always follow the same pattern. In the book of James, verses 14 and 15, this is how temptation happens. Each one is tempted when he is carried away and enticed by his own lust. And when lust is conceived, it gives birth to sin. And when sin is accomplished, it brings forth death. There's always a progression, starting at the beginning, when we first feel this need to partake of whatever it is. It's a bit like paddling a canoe, trying to picture this, paddling a canoe on a, on a river that leads to a waterfall. There's nothing wrong with being up there in the canoe, paddling along. But as you progress towards the thunder and the steam and the, and the mist in the distance, there's a sign on the riverbank saying, it's dangerous to continue this course. If you progress a little bit further along and the current's starting to pick up now, you'll find another sign. This time it's across the river altogether. It says, turn back now or you will die. And of course, if you ignore that sign over the river, over the bank, over the waterfall, you go. Temptations like that. It starts off with a little bit of a pull and then the more you lean towards it, that pull gets stronger and stronger and before you know it, you've done the thing that you said you'd never do and you feel terrible about it. This section represents the lust of the flesh, the desire to indulge, to take and enjoy anything the body wants. Jesus said when he was in the Garden of Gethsemane and the others couldn't stay awake, to pray with him. He said, you know, the spirit is willing. It's indeed willing. It's very willing. But the flesh is weak. We have to recognize from the start that we are prone to temptation. Just like Eve, it's no good us blaming you for giving in to temptation. We would have done the same thing if we were in a situation. It's too strong for us all by ourselves. The only real protection we have is to stand fast in the knowledge that God loves us and we love him, and we don't want to do anything that offends him, that grieves him, that hurts others. So that's how you overcome it. Now the second section here, the first section was standing fast against the lust of the flesh, that is the desire to indulge. The second section here is standing fast against the pride of life. That's the desire to impress from verses 5 through 7. You should have your Bibles open and you can follow where this is going. 
Back in the Garden of Eden, Eve saw that the fruit would make her wise. I mean, there was only her and Adam, but if she was to partake of this fruit, first of all, because she wanted to indulge in it, it was luscious and all that stuff, it was sensual, but secondly, it would give her some sort of a, uh, a leverage over Adam. She'd be above him. She'd be wiser than him. So the devil prompts Jesus to virtually show off, to show off his powers, his spiritual strength to an audience. He virtually says to Jesus, defy gravity and throw yourself off the temple high point. Since God promised he would help you. And the devil even misquotes scripture from Psalm 91 verse 11. Yeah, after all it's written, the devil says. I mean, Jesus just said that. Now the devil says, for it is written, he will command his angels concerning you and they will lift you up in their hands. Unfortunately, the devil leaves out a verse which says uh, he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. In other words, what this psalm is promising is that the, the angels of God will protect us from stumbling. They're not going to help us if we do something really foolish like jumping off a, a cliff and then saying, oh God, please help me. Satan can misquote scripture. Do you realize he has memorized the entire Bible and he can quote any verse he wants if it will give, us, give him rather any leverage over us? None of us want to sin. None of us want to offend God. But we're so prone to what our flesh cries out for and we're so prone to what the devil whispers in our ear. Later in Matthew, Jesus said that the devil is a liar and the father of lies. He wants us to sin, you and I, but he never tells us the penalty and the cost of sin against our bodies, our souls, and our spirits and our loved ones around us. He just wants to deflect us from doing God's perfect will and instead cause us to do his evil will. Again in this section, the devil backs off to try a third approach. But before we get to that, I have to mention something rather unpleasant. A strong pressure from Satan in this area of pride, the pride of life, is gossip. Gossip is all about having some information others don't have and then sharing it with them as an act of power and pride in our own self. Gossip is an insidious evil that permeates our whole society and even the church. Dear ones, we all need to be on guard against this, this temptation that confronts us to speak about others in a negative way. For when we do gossip about someone else, we, we say something that puts them down, it grieves the Holy Spirit in us because the Holy Spirit is in them as well. I knew a lady in a church many, many years ago who I suspected was a gossip. And one day she came to me and she started telling me something about another lady in the church. And I stood there and listened to her. And she went on and on about this, almost as if to say, and what do you think? And I didn't say anything. Because if I'd have said anything at all, she would have taken my statement and and sped it around everywhere. Oh, the 
the pastor thinks this about so-and-so. So we have to be on guard about gossip in our own heart and gossip from somebody else, I'm very sorry to say. So we're looking in this passage I've called Standing Fast. First of all, we looked at standing fast against the lust of the flesh. That's the desire to indulge. Then we looked at standing fast against the pride of life. That's the desire to impress. Now, the third point is standing fast against the lust of the eyes, the desire to possess. Back in the Garden of Eden, Eve saw that the fruit was a delight to the eyes. She wanted to own it. She wanted to put it in a fruit bowl in her kitchen and so she could look at it any time she wanted. She Talk about having your cake and eating it too. She wanted to possess it, possess it to eat it. <clears throat> she wanted to have the fruit that would make her wise and she also wanted just to keep it for herself. So Satan here attacks the Lord Jesus on the issue of covetousness, the desire to possess. But he goes far beyond a mere piece of fruit like he did with Eve. And he says to Jesus, I'll give you the entire world. You won't need to go to the cross. Unfortunately for him, he comes unstuck by demanding that Jesus worship him. The devil always wants us to divert worship away from God Almighty and focus it on himself. But he usually prompts us to worship ourselves, to overindulge in something like possession, something we like. The famous playwright Oscar Wilde once said, the only way to deal with temptation is to give into it. Well, that's a word straight from the pit of hell. That's the word of the devil. He says to us, you can own anything you have. In fact, part of possessiveness, part of this uh, lust of the eyes, is a love of money. And you can tell if this is your problem, if you're always worrying about money. You know, Jesus said, my God will supply every need of yours, Philippians 4.19. He promises to take care of us. He's our master. We're his servants. He looks after the supplying. If you worry about money, you are having a problem with the lust of the eyes, the desire to possess covetousness. Now, Jesus, again, counters the devil's temptation with God's word and he silences Satan. He sees right through the devil's purpose and condemns him with scripture. Away from me, Satan, he says, for it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Finally, the devil departs. And curiously enough in this passage, the actual truth of Psalm 91, 11, which the devil used earlier, comes truth. Because in verse 11 it says, The angels came and attended him. They brought him food or water. They uh, comforted him and encouraged him and blessed him. You know, the Lord Jesus fought off the devil's proposals to sin by wielding the words of the Holy Bible like a flashing sword. He cut the air with God's truth. You can hear the sword flashing and soundly defeated the enemy. And you and I can do the same thing when we are being tempted. This is not a once-for-all encounter. Trials of temptation come to us frequently, if not every day. And when the devil knows we've got a weak spot, he will pursue that constantly. 
He pursued Jesus all the way to the cross. He doesn't give up after we have withstood him. He simply bides his time till the next opportunity. Beloved, standing fast and fighting off temptation is a lifelong matter, but the rewards are so great because when we are a pure, clean vessel without struggling with sin, God can use us mightily and make our lives so fruitful. Giving in to any temptation makes us powerless. It's like a soldier being severely wounded in a battle. He's out of action until he recovers and is restored to fighting fitness. He's no use uh, to his fellow soldiers. He's no use to his officers. He's no use in the fight. He's hoarse to combat, as the French say. Jesus could not afford to give in to the devil because the cross was at stake and he had to go to the cross without sinning himself. And neither can we afford. There's far too much at stake. When we pray for our loved ones, we pray for our children, sometimes our grandchildren or our parents, our brothers and sisters, God answers the prayers of those who are pure of heart. When we are always sinning, we become a carnal Christian and we don't have the spiritual strength to pray according to the will of God. But Jesus overcame every temptation throughout his earthly life simply because and this is the key point, his relationship with the Father was so strong and he didn't want to offend him in any way. I'll close with the story of Joseph in prison in Potiphar's house in Egypt way back in the book of Genesis. And Potiphar's wife comes and tries to tempt Joseph to commit adultery with her. And he says to her, how can I do this thing and sin against God? Just remember that all sin is an offence against God who loves us, who loves me and who loves you. That will be our greatest offence. May the Lord bless you as you stand fast in Jesus' name. God bless you.